Thanks. All right, all right, here we go. Set free. This is our, so um, today we're just entitling the, the message, Shut the Door. And we've, we've been talking, you know, the first, the first week, we, we, it was really along this, this idea of, you know, uh, is there even a problem? You know, what, do, I, is there, do I even need to be free? You know, and, and, and so we talked about, absolutely, we all, at some level, need to be free. I can be free, and I can be more free. I can be healed, and I can be more healed. And so that was kind of that first week. Hey, guess what? We're all, we're all in this boat together. And then, and then the, next, the next week was uh, under the influence. And we said that that, that, wasn't, that wasn't like a, a drinking term or a, or a drugs term. It was like you could be under the influence of, of the devil and even as a Christian we can be under that that influence and so we talked a little bit about that and and right at the end um, last week I shared a little bit of my process of if someone's sitting down with me and we're we're doing what I what I like to call freedom prayer and we, I, we walk them through these steps and part of that those steps was was allowing Jesus to to go to those places in our memories and, and in our in our thoughts and and you know if you go to that place without Jesus, it's scary and it's painful and, it, and, it, and it, it, there's no, no real good fruit. But if you go back to that place of pain and hurt with Jesus, uh, it might still sting a little bit, but with Jesus, it's uh, like there's freedom and it's safe. That's one of the biggest things when you're talking with someone and wanting to go back to those painful memories. Like it's like it doesn't feel safe. But with Jesus, it's safe. You walk there with him, and, and it's safe. And we just said, you know, one of the big things that, that happens in, in the area of freedom and being set free, like 99.9% of the time, there's an area of forgiveness. Whether you're forgiving somebody else or you're forgiving your, yourself sometimes. <laughs> How many know you can forgive everybody? And you're like, I can't think of anybody else. And it's like, oh, like me. <laughs> I got to forgive me sometimes. And we even, I even said sometimes you have to forgive God. And there was a big <gasps> in the room. It's like, forgive God, right? Well, because it's not that he did anything, but sometimes you think he did. And because, because your mindset is, is like, I, you know, if God's a big God, then, then he could just, he could have saved me from all of this, or he could have, you know, protected me. I mean, I remember praying with, a, with, with somebody one time years ago when I was in Iowa, and I remember them saying, man, uh, so the Bible says God will never leave me nor forsake me. So does that mean he was just watching when all that bad stuff happened? I'm like, what do you say? I was like 23 years old, like fresh out of Bible college. I'm like, well, you ask somebody else. <laughs> not true, not true. But isn't that how do, we, we think like this? So, so at some level, we got to release the Lord and say, God, I, I, I know this wasn't that you didn't plan this, and 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 I and I even release you from this. So that's the area of forgiveness. And so, um, one of the things that I have that I have found now this uh, this is true. One of the things I found is that somebody can be set free, sin demonic strongholds, all of this stuff, be set free, and a month later, six months later, they're, they're like, it's, it's all back, and it's worse. If, if, you don't have to raise your hand if that was you, but can you raise your hand if you know somebody at least? <laughs> and, and, and why? Here's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is that you weren't free in the first place. It just didn't, it didn't stick. It didn't take, you know. Uh, you know, that's why, you know, we, you, you come to the altar 4,200 times for the same thing. You're like, it must not have worked. It just must not have. I'm going to propose today that it did work and, and that there was one extra step that maybe we, we forgot, and that's called shut the door. You guys all right? You guys with me? Okay. Um, because because he, he frees us. 
He's in the business of setting people free. And sometimes we just have to take that extra step and shut the door. So uh, hang with me for a few minutes here this morning. I think some of, some of the, I'm just going to give you some practical tools here in just a minute. Um, I, think there's, I think there's about six things that, that maybe would be helpful for you um, if you want to, uh, I like to say, uh, stay free, right? Set me free and then stay free. Uh, anything, anybody think that'd be a good idea to stay free? All right. Joel, um, Joel chapter 2, verse 9, uh, prophet Joel was, was talking in, in, in kind of some allegorical terms, and, he, and, and, in, and in that he says this, he says, they rush upon the city, they run along the wall, they climb into the house, like thieves they enter through the windows, right? Uh, how many know it would be a good idea to shut the door and the windows? Keep them out, keep them out. Matthew um, chapter 12 um, you know, Jesus is talking, and he's talking to a, to a whole group of people. It's, it's in context of talking to religious leaders um, who are really trying to, to stop Jesus and catch him in, um, you know, they, they, they're always wanting to arrest, everywhere Jesus goes, they want to arrest him and, you know, catch what he says and twist it and all of this stuff. And right down towards the end, Jesus makes a, makes a comment here. This is what he says. He says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Now notice it says when it comes out. How many know that's called set free? Okay. Verse 44, then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Uh, could we, again, just say, set free? Yeah, swept clean and put in order, that's a good deal. In, in my book, uh, any of you clean freaks? Any of you like to have your house in order? Any of you, right? Swept clean and put in order is a good thing. Absolutely. There's TV shows about it. Verse 45. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. Everyone say, more wicked than itself. Yeah, it's got a long phrase, but you got it. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. And then Jesus says, this is how it will be with this wicked generation. In other words, Jesus was talking to a specific situation with this group of people. He's talking, he talking about a generation of people, but he was, he was using a specific example. So in this, this still counts for individuals. Jesus was saying, it's, it's, as, it's like this. Lots of places in Scripture, Jesus says, uh, he's talking about one thing, and he says, it's kind of like this. And so there, there's still a truth that you can take out of context because, because Jesus did. Absolutely. And so, so this is what we're, we're talking about. Not only was someone set free, but the door or the window or something was the doggy door, whatever, was left open, and something came back stronger than it was before. Okay? Um, I, I, I kind of... It, it, kind of last minute decided to go just a hair bit different direction. I want to I talk for a second just about maybe, maybe three big doors. Um, I think maybe a year or two ago, I, I, I went a little bit deeper on these three big doors. I'm just going to kind of mention them, but I thought I'd take a little bit more time today on just shutting the door, um, because that seems pretty helpful to me. Um, I, hopefully, that'd be helpful to you, but here's three big doors. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says this, uh, and, and through 17, it says, do not, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, and here's the three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, 
comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So uh, here's, here's kind of three big, big doors, and, and there's all kinds of doors. The lust of, our, of the flesh, it's really our passions. And, and so all of us, all of us have the potential for these, these three doors. And now there's other doors. And we're just not going to get into the details of all the doors because there's so many doors. Some of you might have a, a, an open door to fear. Some of you might have an open door to bitterness and unforgiveness. Some of you, there might be an open door to, to I mean, all kinds of things that there could be open doors. Here's three, three big doors that affect a lot of us. And so we're just going to, and then when I talk about um, closing the door, it, it applies to any area of your life. So the, our passions, and our, and our passions I mean, that, that, this is going to be that, that place of where our flesh, our, our, you know, the, the, the part that just desires, everything from food to, to sin, right? This is, a, this is just our flesh. Like, a, like, you know, have you ever just been, been walking by, like you're in the, you're in the mall, and they, they put the, the, uh, the pretzel maker right there for a reason? Because you're walking in, you could have just had a three-course meal. You could have, and there's something in that. I think they put, I think they, I'm, I think they put crack cocaine in that. And as you're walking by, it's like, you know, so it's it, it's the desires. It's the it's the it's the it's the flesh, and it, it may it may not be be good or bad. It's just kind of a neutral place. But it's our desires, right? And and so one of the doors is those passions. And it could be everything from sexual sin, right? That's a big thing in our culture and with, with, with guys or girls. I mean, and you turn, turn on the TV or you're driving down the road. And I mean, depending on if it's summer or, or winter, there's a degree of when, you know, right? And this is one of those doors, the lust of our flesh. Uh, what about the lust of our eyes? Um, in other words, it, it's, it's the thing that you look, I want that. I want that. You're reminded of like like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Who's that? Who's that? That girl that's like, I want it now, Daddy or Father, or whatever she. I want it now, right? Like there is, there's that thing. There's that lust of our eyes is is I've I've got to have it, whatever that thing is. For for me, I mean, you know, I you know drive by a car lot and I see the nice, pretty F one fifty, you know, fully loaded or. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want it now, Daddy. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, th- wh- what is it for you? It could be possessions. It could be different types of things. And, and sometimes it becomes an open door. It's not wrong to have things as long as things don't have you. Right? Where th- there, there's, there's never a place in Scripture where, where it, it's, it's, it's really wrong to, to have a possession. It's like, it's like when that possession becomes an idol. When that possession is more important, the, the way I look at it is, uh, can God ask for it anytime he wants? Could it, could it right? My, my, my Uncle Rick used to have a, um, a watch collection. When he was alive, he had a watch collection. And, um, and I mean, this is one of them. When he, when he passed away, uh, um, all of, the, all of the, the nephews, his sons, son-in-laws, there was enough watches <laughs> for all of us to go and pick one, pick one out. And so, uh, so, so, I'm, so I'm wearing that. But you know what? He, he, would, he would build the collection, and then there would be, they, they called it a, at WFM, they called it, the, they would have an offering for the poor 
um, every, every once in a while. And, and, they would, and every time they had an offering for the poor, he would take his rock, his rock collection, his, <laughs> his watch collection, and he would bring it to the altar, and he would give it up. And they would, they would either liquidate it or, or give the watches away. So he'd build the collection and then give it. In, in other words, he was living his life like this. It says, I, it, it's okay to have things as long as things don't have you. He did the same way with Doc Martens, and, and uh, I, I chose not to partake in, the <laughs> in his Doc, Mark and Mark, uh, Doc Martin collection. Um, what was that? So, so lust of the eyes, our possessions, pride of life, our position. And, and some of you, you, you look at, oh yeah, I, th- you know, that's something in my life, but you know, is, is the, the pride of position, the, the, you know, kind of the, the dog eat dog, dog world of, of, you know, where you're climbing and, and it, there's power and there's all this. And some of you look at me and you're like, Pastor Jonathan, I've never had a position worth anything in my life. Like, what, what could that mean? Well, well I'll, I'll tell you how this shows up, the pride of life. Um, it, it's, it's that place in you that makes you want to uh, make yourself taller and bigger than everybody else. I mean, if you've ever been a part of, of gossip or slander or uh, sarcasm, at some level sarcasm, I, I like the definition of sarcasm. It's, it's a, a, a socially acceptable emotional abuse. Right? Or the, or the, the smaller definition, uh, the cutting of flesh. Um, either one of those could work, right? So it, it, at some level, the Lord may, may look at you and may, he might point something out in your heart and say, well, yeah, maybe you're not this one that's like corporate America, dog eat dog, you know, CEO and, and, and position. But at some level in your life, maybe you've got to elevate yourself above others. And he says, hey, that's not, in fact, that's a door that you need to shut in your life. There's all kinds of things, all kinds of doors. And so I want to talk for a few minutes. How do we close these doors? Wouldn't that be helpful this morning? Here's a couple things that I think would be helpful. Uh, imagine like I am um, like a, like a um, professional security uh, expertise man and I'm coming into your house and I'm helping you, you know, this is how we're going to install our security system and all of this. This is kind of what, what the Lord, I think, he wants to do this morning. And so we're going to shut the door. Number one, when I look at shutting the door, I look at this word desire. And, you know, last week and this week, they, they kind of overlap a little bit because um, even in a, in, a, in a freedom session, we're going to start to kind of go after some of this. But this, this, this is a, I, I would say, almost a six-step process. And you may look and think that there's something else, and that's fine. But, but at least six steps. Number one, desire. How many know that there's competing desires in our life? If I were to take a poll in this room, I bet you would, I bet every hand would go up to say, like, do you desire God? And everyone would say, absolutely. You'd have two hands and your foot raised. And if you could, you'd have both feet raised. I don't know, that would be, that'd be an interesting thing if you had both feet raised and both hands raised i mean that would be a minor miracle and 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 so we, we look at that and we, and we say yeah yeah i mean i desire god and i desire other things as well competing desire if, if you were ever to to try to make a like a new year's resolution or some sort of a big goal in your life um one of the things that like life coaches and other types of leaders like they like they would say is something that has to do with competing commitments it's not, that I'm not, it's not that I'm not committed to, to releasing 100 pounds. It's, it's uh, I'm also committed to eating 100 Snicker bars. And, and so it really, it's not for lack of desire. It's like, I just got two desires, and this desire won out. This commitment won out. Does that make sense? And so this is the same thing. 
with the sin in our life. This is the same thing with areas of freedom where there might be a, a demonic stronghold. There might be a pain. It, you may be sitting here, I would really love to be free of this, but I am more committed to feeling safe and not having to go after that thing. I'm more committed to, uh, like, not wanting to cry. Like, I'm more committed to, to not wanting to feel that thing ever again. And so it's not, that I'm, it's not that I don't desire freedom. It's just that I desire something else more. Is that, you guys with me? So this first area is competing desires. Genesis chapter 4 um, verse 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, uh, will you not be accepted? But, but if you do not do what is right, what? Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Again, there's that com- the, the competing desires right there. If, if you do what is right, man, there's going to be freedom. If you don't do what's right, uh, as, as much as you desire the other, the Man, that other desire is going to win out. James chapter 1, starting in verse 14, says, it says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full, gro- full grown, gives birth to death. And we look at this, and we say, their own evil desire. Do you know that their own evil desire, you know that that's not sin? The... That evil desire, that isn't sin yet. That's a desire. And they've just identified it as evil, but it hasn't crossed the threshold into sin until what? Uh, After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So there's this place of even our desires where we have to learn to desire something else more than we desire that other things. Watch this. This is the place where we want to be. Psalm 63. I love this. Maybe you've read it in a different version. Watch. Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. Right? My, my whole being longs for you. When was the last time that you consciously thought those words? Whether it be in a church service or in your bedroom or driving down the road. Like, when was the last time that you could honestly say my desire for you is greater than my desire for this other thing like this is a big deal this is where where it it starts to 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 grow and we start to get excited about the things of God where I think revival starts here we talked about like the awakening aspect this is where my desire for him is greater than my desire for anything else I earnestly seek you. My, I, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. Oh, when have you thought about him that way? Like recently. Oh, it's because your love is better than life. Did you ever just pause and just think, you are so good. I want you so bad. I just thank you for who you are. And you're just thinking about God in those terms my lips will glorify you I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands I love this this phrase here in verse 5 I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods there, uh, on one hand these other verses we're talking about the desire of the flesh right here we're talking about another desire that comes up and it's like it's like no my spirit's gonna win out this time and I tr- I desire you so much God I think that's the first place of shutting the door. 
is that we desire God more than anything else. Watch this, number two, godly sorrow. Here's this quote. When, you desire, when your desire for God is greater than your desire for that thing that is competing for your attention, godly sorrow can begin to take place. This is a, this is a big deal. It comes from this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Some of you think I'm, I'm going too fast. You were trying to write that down. Take your camera phone out and just snap that. There you go. Thanks, thanks media, media person. When your desire for God is greater than your desire for that thing that is competing for your attention, godly sorrow can begin to take place. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings, brings death. In other words, you know, that, that sorrow that comes because, because you're, you, either you got caught or that sorrow that comes because, because you're, you know, you're, your situation, you're just like, oh, I'm in this situation and I just wish my life experience would be better than it is right now and I feel bad about my sin or I just kind of feel bad. But it's not, it's not because there's a greater desire for God. It's because, it's because life sucks right now is the worldly sorrow. But the godly sorrow, I think it starts with this desire. The desire for God is greater. And you sit there, and all of a sudden, you're just like, I feel bad. Not, like, not in a place of condemnation, but it's like, man, this, the, the choices that I've made, the re, uh, e- even if there's been things done to you, you, you take responsibility for that 10% that's yours. Like I, At least you've held on to that bitterness this whole time. At least you're the one, like, like it, it may have been something that someone else did to you, and yet you've decided to, to hold on to it. Could you at least own that part of it? And this is that place, the, the, the godly sorrow, where you sit there and you're just like, God, I want you so much more than I want this. And I am so sorry. I, I think sometimes godly sorrow brings tears. It doesn't have to bring tears. But it's that place. God, I, I desperately need you. I need a change. I need something to shift. And godly sorrow brings true repentance. Number three, repentance. And we've talked about this. This is a big part of freedom prayer. This is a big part where you just say, say God, um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, you know, for, for everything I did knowingly and unknowingly, I'm sorry. And, and you, you repent right there. Let me talk to you a little bit about repentance. It's like this 180 degree turn. It, it's, a, it's like we're not, we're not looking back. There's a place in Scripture, Genesis 19. There's a whole story. You guys remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, real like, like Holy Spirit warm fuzzy um, story where God like destroyed cities. Yeah, you like that? You, okay. <laughs> so so there's this whole, this whole deal. We're gonna just fast forward through the whole thing. Uh, Eventually, God, God decided that there was, that there was at least a, a family that was worth saving. And, and so he said, I'm still going to destroy these, these, <coughs> sorry, these cities, but, but you guys can leave first. And, and, and you leave. And this is what, this is what the, the angels of the Lord said. said um, Genesis 19, verse 17, as soon as they brought them out, these two angels of the Lord, as soon as they brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. He, he thought this was a big deal. This angel said, like, you're leaving this. And Sodom and Gomorrah represented sin. It represented, uh, like, everything that was an abomination to God. 
and the, one of the most, you fast forward, one of the most sad verses, verse 26, but Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Doesn't that just break your heart? So, uh, some, some people feel like they've, uh, uh, some archaeologists feel like they've, they've found the pillar. <laughs> I don't know. But it'd be just like God to leave an example. Don't look back. Don't look back. You want to shut that door? Don't look back. Proverbs 5, starting verse 7 says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to the path far from her. And, and, and the her, I mean, all the women are like, wait a minute. You know, the, the her, symbolically, of, of really for this uh, lust and sexual sin and all of those types of things. But it could be anything. Keep far away from it. Watch this. Do not go near the door. Don't even go near it. Don't. I, I have people, especially young people, but anybody, like, like how, so, you know, like, you know, I, I remember having, like, the, the debate with, with teenagers about, um, so how far do we go, like, in relationships? Uh, like, uh, is making out, if, 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 uh, someone asked me, like, is making out a sin? Like, well, what's that mean? What, what, are you, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I mean, like, uh, like, no, 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 tell me. What are we talking about here? Watch. They're asking the wrong question. The question isn't how close to the line can I get. The question is how far away from this line can I be. I, I, think, I think God doesn't define things um, black and white a lot of times because he wants your heart. He doesn't just want you to obey a rule. I like this, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. We're still talking about repentance this repentance is really turning. It's that 180 degree. Repent then and turn to God. That's, where, that's who we're turning to. We're away from and to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That what? Times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wow. So this isn't just like a big bad God with a stick trying to bop you on the head. This isn't like, like you get the picture of God like the, like the little boy with magnifying glass trying to like burn us like ants. No, that's not him. Like, he's wanting times of refreshing for you. How many say that's a good day to be a Christian? Absolutely. And so repentance absolutely has to do with the 180 turn. With I'm not going this way, I'm going this way. Now, here's another definition of repentance. Um, the, the term matineo in the original Greek, it means this. This is repentance. Repentance means to change the way you think. So not only is it a 180-degree turn, not only is it, I was going this way, now I'm going this way. Don't look back. Repentance is also change the way you think. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Who was he talking to? He was talking to a bunch of pastors, religious leaders. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And what was he saying? He says, change the way you think so that you can see the kingdom. You're staring right at me, and you're missing me. You're, you're, I'm right in front of you. He, he, and I think it's in that same passage or another one where he's like, man, if I cast out a demon by the finger of God, then the kingdom of heaven is among you. He's like, it's right here, and you're missing it. In other words, change the way you think. What's another place like that? Romans, Romans 12? Be renewed by... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think so that you can see 
the kingdom. So you can see Jesus. I, I imagine if they would have done that, all of a sudden they'd be, you're who we've been waiting for this whole time, Jesus. Repentance. I think next week, um, or not next week, two weeks from now, uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of close out at least, at least my part of this. Um, I think then Steve Warner is going to preach the following week. But my, my part of this is going to, we're just going to talk about living free. What would it be like to live free? You know, we don't live towards freedom. We live from freedom. So come in two weeks for that. Number four, the Word of God. If we're closing the door, man, it's going to have something to do with the Word of God. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Man, there's certain scriptures in the Bible that are just great for preaching. That would be one of them. Man, it's alive. And so there's, there, there's part of this, of this whole thing with the, with the word of God being part of the thing that shuts the door. There, there, I, I see two parts with this. First, this. This is, this is alive and active. How many know that you need to just declare truth over those places where there have been lies? Sometimes I just need to out loud, just out loud say it. Out loud say verses like, like no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Out loud, I need to say things like, like, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Right? Out loud, I need to declare truth over my life about that God is love. That he, you know, that you love me so much. I mean, right? You, you, you put voice to his word and, and you declare that truth in place of lie. So there's this place where you realize this is more than just a book. This is more than, than I mean, wars have been fought over this thing. Right? I mean, this, 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 is, this is alive. And when, when you read that, when you're more than just read it, but you, but you pray this, like, like it starts to shift things. I believe that it starts to close doors where there have been lies for so many years. And then the second part, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. Now, now we're not getting into like a marriage lesson here, but watch this. That husbands love your wives just as... So, so what we're saying, so Paul's drawing a comparison here. Again, all you husbands, love your wives this way, is what he says. This would be a challenge. Now, we're not doing a marriage seminar, but, but all the wives are like, come on, come on, get this one. And well, I got another verse for you ladies, too, right? No, sure. Husbands, love your wives just as, just as Christ loved the church. So in other words, he's saying here, he, he's, he's, you can pull this out of context. He's like, this is, this is the way you should love. It's just like this. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. How? Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. There's an aspect of, of the word. Not only is there this declarative thing where I can take authority and shift things in my life and in your life and we can shut doors and there's an authority that comes from praying and declaring scripture, but there's also, man, there have been times where I'm just reading or listening to the word and I literally feel like it's washing me. Try it. You, you ever just in a funk? You ever just, uh, you're in a season that you just feel, you feel junky and dirty or whatever it might be. So try reading the Word. <laughs> try reading the Bible. Try listening to it if you can't, if you just can't open it up yourself. Do something, because you're going to watch this. This is true. There's a cleansing. There's like a washing. 
from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet to the tips of your fingers. And you start to see that things just, there's like a divine reset that happens when you're in his word. You either are just really intent on listening to everything I'm saying or is it all right? It's a little quiet. All right. Number five. I told you there were six things. Number five, time with God. So we're wanting to, to not just be set free. We want to, like, stay free. As I'm shutting the door here, I'm, I mean, we're, we're starting with, with, I need to have a desire for you more than this thing. I, I, need, to, I need to, like, uh, godly sorrow leads to repentance. I need to, like, like man, like, this has kept me from you. And, uh, I need to repent. I need to not only 180 degree, don't look back, but I also need to change the way I think about this so that I can see you. I mean, we're, we're going through all of these things. The word of God, I need to declare it and shift atmosphere and take authority, and I also need to be washed in it. Time, time with him. It was really, really interesting to me in John 15 that uh, Jesus could have said anything in his last few hours here on this earth. He could have taught his disciples. I, I, I view John 15 as if there was a person on their deathbed knowing exactly that they're going to die and they, and they gather their friends and family around their bed. I, I view this chapter like that. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen even though his disciples were still a little clueless. And he starts to say things. He could have taught them how to do the greatest miracle. He could have, I mean, it could have been like, like Peter, here, you remember when I raised Lazarus from the dead? Here, take notes. Get out your pen and paper. I mean, it could have been all kinds. You, you remember when, when that guy that had like a legion of, of demons? You want to know the, the, the secret? Take notes. Take notes, John. You remember when I turned water to wine? Andrew, you're going to want to know this one. No, what's he say? He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Imagine being at the bedside of your Savior. He says, he goes on, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There's this theme of remaining in him. Another version of the Bible says, says abide in him. There's, it, it goes on. He, he says this in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now what? Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in, in my love. In other words, he says, here's, here's, a, here's a little secret. All you're wondering, how to, how to remain in his love. He's like, just do what I say. Just do what I say. I mean, uh, that's a good idea, right? Just whatever he says, do it. Just as I have, we could rewrite this, just as I've done everything what my father's told me to do. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remained in his love. Man, I can't read this and think of anything else other than lots of time with Jesus. I mean, can you? I mean, some people want, especially in our culture, we, we want like, a, like a, you know, a big oversized microwave in the sky that we can jump in and press two minutes and be done. But, but not, not Jesus' way. Here's the, day, the, the, the way we, we, we continue to shut the door is, oh, lots of time in his presence. Lots of time. Lots of time. Everyone say lots of time. 
Now, you may be in a season where it's like, yeah, right, Pastor Jonathan. You know, you, you, go to, you, you, go, you spend extra time in the bathroom to get away from the kids. You're like, you, you take extra long showers so you just don't hear them. You may be in a season where you're retired and you've got, I've got so much time. I don't know what you guys are talking about, you young kids. Now, I think it more has to do with quality time than quantity of time. And so if you're in a season where it's just impossible, number one, quality time. Even if it's a quality five minutes, you fight for that. Number two, make sacrifices. He's worth it. You're going to make sacrifices for, for the things that you love. This is going to go back to that desire, the competing desires. Man, the things that you desire, the things that you, I mean, uh, I, could, I bet if I sat down with each and every one of you, I could find time for you to spend time with Jesus. Let, let, let's, let me see your calendar. Let me see your, let me, let me see how much time you've been on Facebook this week. Tell me, if you have an iPhone, I can see it. There's a, there's a screen time thing right now. If you, if you update the latest, to the latest uh, operating system, it'll show me right there on your, I, I'll tell you. This is that place where we just say, okay, I can't get around this thing. I can't just, I, I can't just like, like think myself out of this. I can't just like, like uh, get, the, get the 12 steps and, and I, I can't, I, the only way for me to, to do this is just to spend time with my Savior. Now, you may ask me, oh, you know, how, I, I, would, I would challenge you, come up to me, come up to Pastor Bo, come up to one of, the, one of the people in the church that you would think maybe has a deep walk with God, and you might have some genuine questions about how to, how to fill that time. Like, what, what do I do with God? I've never, I mean, I, I've never spent five minutes with Him. I can't take an hour. Like, come to, talk to talk with us. Here's this last one. As everyone's, like, thinking about Runza. I feel like I need to make a joke about Runza right now. Jim Gaffigan has a great, <laughs> great joke about Runza. Godly relationships. Listen, after all of this, after all of this, watch this, James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In other words, this is, this is saying, this is more than just the altar team or the pastor up front. I, you guys hear us say this all the time. But there is an aspect of relationships, whether it's connect groups, whether you're on a worship team or a media team, whether you're in a women's ministry group, whether you're in a something. Like, you've you got to have people. In fact, I would just say this. If you're struggling by yourself, good luck. If you're struggling by yourself, good luck. If you're struggling with at least one other person, man, this is going to be a recipe for freedom. I mean, you've got to have at least one person that you can just be totally honest with, where you can just say, here it is. Here's the pride issue that I'm struggling with. Here's the unforgiveness issue that I'm struggling with. Here's, like, here's the thing. Here's the hurt from the past that I can't quite get over. There's got to be at least one person that you can share everything with. This, man, this hurt. Maybe, maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's a sexual sin. Maybe, it, maybe it's the most embarrassing thing that you can think of. And you just, there's got to be one. If you're, if you're struggling by yourself, man, he's going to come back with seven spirits stronger. Because this is one of those areas that will keep the door open. Is if it's in secret. 
I'm serious. You can scan. <laughs> Pastor or uh, Anna. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Pastor Anna. There you go. There you go. Oh, man. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm excited for this journey of freedom that we're on, guys. I, want, I, I was going to open up the whole service with a shut the door, keep out the devil. Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, keep out the devil. Light the candle, everything's all right. You guys ready for freedom? Yeah. So exciting. So exciting. Come on, man. I love it. I love it. We have our altar teams come. And there's, there's great opportunities this month. There's going to be opportunities next week. There's going to be opportunities in, in a few weeks with God Encounter. And like we say every week, it might be today that you just need to take a couple extra minutes. As, uh, as Anna and the team are, are leading this song, maybe the Lord is identifying an area and you're like, man, I just, I need to finally for once in my life shut the door to this thing and draw a line. I love what, what Jim said. He's like, he, he had his last smoke. He's like, man, that was really good. His last smoke as he was driving up and he left and never picked another one up. Maybe you leave different than you came in today. Lord, all over this place right now. Thank you for freedom. We thank you for set free and delivered. We thank you for don't look back. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship in this song. And if any of you need to pray with somebody, we've got altar workers up here today. Jesus, the name above.